the fire. Fire. Catch the fire. Welcome to Catch the Fire. I'm Lisa Flood along with Susie McKenzie, and we are ready to share the fire of our faith. Susie, in what way did the Holy Spirit show up for you this week? Well, Lisa, I'm going to say a word and people are going to go, no, that is like not about catching the fire, Susie, but it was for me. Okay, one word, novenas. Okay, what ha- yeah, <laughs> okay. catching the fire we, in your prayer life. We are Catholics, and I, um, Father Mark at Our Lady of the Lake one time said in a homily, he talked about spiritual dryness and about prayer life one time. It was a daily mass. And he just said, you might need to do something different. You know, just find a new prayer, find a new way to pray. And and I think he even said, you know, if you're praying for a specific intention, find a novena, find something that applies to that. And the light bulb went off because there's some novenas that I do repeatedly. I love Our Lady um, Undoer of Knots. Me too. And love that one. And I'm constantly doing that one. I love a St. Joseph novena. Well, I've discovered some new novenas in the last week that deal with specific issues that I'm praying for other people. One is to, I can't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, St. Cajetan, C-A-J-E-T-A-N. I found his novena, and I've been doing that novena for a specific intention for someone. And then, of course, a St. Benedict novena for a friend with a health issue. And um, it it's funny because in the beginning, you don't feel anything, but towards the end, there's a revival in your spirit. And so that's how I caught the fire. I started a new novena. I love that. Well, my 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 little situation is a, a little bit different, but you'll see right here. I am holding a rosary in my hand. Our Lady loves all of our kids, whether we're Catholic or not, right? Also, yeah, absolutely. Well, a dear friend who is not Catholic recently traveled to Europe, and we were at go figure a lacrosse game where I spend my life. And she walked over to me with a little bag, and she said, "I brought you a gift from from my trip to Europe." And I opened it up, and it was this gorgeous rosary. She said, I just thought it was beautiful, and I thought it would mean a lot to you. So we had a conversation after the game, and I said, you have no idea how much this means to me. You know how much I love the Blessed Mother. And she said, um, "She said, yeah, I just thought it was pretty. I said, well, how about if we get together and, and we pray it together? And she said, you would teach me how to pray the rosary? And I said, I would be honored to do that. So it was such a beautiful gift from her. But really, it felt like a gift from Our Lady saying, let me put my girls together. And um, Our Lady is the mother of us all. Whether we're Catholic or not, she wants her love to be known. Wow, Lisa. And I'll tell you, Our Lady directed that because I'm looking at this rosary. And it's gorgeous. It is gorgeous, but it's simple. When we're talking, this is so Lisa. It matches <laughs> her house. It matches the shirt she has on. It's a pale white with gray. It's stone. It's got silver pieces in between the beads. It's just so Lisa. This woman was guided by Our Lady to pick this out for you. It was a great gift to me on many levels. All right, Susie, I'm going to Take us through something that's going to sound kind of funny. You know, I'm kind of enjoying Netflix these days, and I really, really, really love The Crown. I've watched it, and I'm watching it again. But here's my question. It leads me to ask, are we going through the motions at Mass, or or are we intentional? And what I mean by that is, why do we genuflect? Why do we go down on a knee before we enter the pew? 
Well, Lisa, we tell ourselves it's out of respect, and we were just taught that. And of course, it's the right knee going down. I always think of Jesus at the right hand of the Father. That's just my connection. But I think it's sometimes difficult for us here in America. We forget those signs of respect because we don't have a monarchy. You know, I know. We don't have a natural understanding of a king and a queen's role, which I think is why a lot of people don't understand the Blessed Mother many times, because we don't grow into that because of the government we live with. Well, I've, I've been fascinated watching, you know, the protocol and the etiquette of certain things you're supposed to do and not do before Queen Elizabeth. And, and it just prompted me to think, okay, um, why, really, why do we do this? And, and as I'm you know, looking back at the history, the le- going down on the left knee from medieval times was reserved for the king and to honor and, and show respect to the king. And the right knee, which is what we do as Catholics, was for God, reserved for God. And that's why we go down on the right knee all the way down to the ground. And it's just, it's a sign of respect. But really, it goes back to the fact that we believe in the true presence of Jesus, Right. He's our king. So if we're in his presence with him in the tabernacle, then it just makes sense that we're going to genuflect, like you said, all the way down. He's our king. And and of course, we believe in making the sign of the cross and respecting that symbol of our faith. And so we do that as we bow. We kind of do it all through Mass, though, Lisa, don't we? We, we do a lot of different physical acts to show our respect and our love, wouldn't you say? I mean, we often talk about how we really worship with our bodies, right? It, with using all the senses and, and using our physical bodies as we're, you know, kneeling and standing and sitting and you know, the way that we know um, when we're at the tabernacle, if Jesus is present in the tabernacle, then you will see that red lamp that's on the side of the tabernacle. There's a there's a candle burning, right? And when we see that, we know that means Jesus is truly present. It's Yeah, it's the fire. It's the light. It's what Jesus brings into our lives. It, it's that signal for us of, I'm here. <laughs> hey, I'm here. And Lisa, there's a difference in how the room feels when oh, Jesus I, oh, is yes. present. There is a difference. There is a spiritual warmth that I feel when I walk into an adoration chapel or into a Catholic church, as opposed to even just walking into our fellowship halls at a Catholic church where the tabernacle may not be. And so I do feel something on the inside that causes me to physically participate and show my respect. It's so funny you talk about the Adoration Chapel because that's what I was feeling in my heart um, that I wanted to take it next because when I walk into a chapel, the first thing, an Adoration Chapel where Jesus is present, the first thing I want to do is drop to the ground. And I don't mean in a dramatic way. I mean, I want to kneel before him. It's that's that's where this comes from, right? Well, it does, and I mean, he, it's he, of course, is always the great paradox. You know, um, he came as a simple carpenter, right, and yet sacrificed all and shed blood for us. How could we not want to just? in absolute awe and marveling in ourselves of how could you do this? You know, we're all a bunch of dirty sinners. (laughs) I mean, I understand you wanting to fall to the ground because that is the ultimate sign of respect and surrender. And I think for so many of us, um, for whatever reason, um, not really um, 
remembering or, or ever really being taught the fullness of what we do and why we do it, I think it's important for us on Catch the Fire to every now and then hit on, why do we do that? So, like, I feel like I want to go to adoration right now, Susie. I, <laughs> <laughs> I got to go do it. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break. Stick with us. I'm Lisa Flood along with Susie McKenzie on Catch the Fire. We'll be right back. This is a Young Catholic Minute. How can I know the Bible is true? There was once this really smart guy named St. Augustine of Hippo. That's right, Hippo. He said, I would not believe the gospel if the authority of the Catholic Church did not move me to do so. He learned that the Bible was true in the same way that we learn most things. Someone he trusted told him. Most people have not split an atom. No one alive saw the Battle of Thermopylae nor has ever set foot on the 16 moons of Jupiter. But we believe in these because someone who knows better than us has told us about them. St. Augustine knew that the Catholic Church was founded on the apostles, who had died horrible deaths rather than deny that their friend Jesus Christ was God, risen from the dead and present in the Eucharist. And that living witness made him believe, as it did for the Gentiles, for every Christian in history, and it will do the same for you. For more, go to youtube.com slash youngcatholic. Welcome back to Catch the Fire. I'm Lisa Flood along with Susie McKenzie, and we are joined today by David Warren of Stella Morris Films. David, welcome to Catch the Fire. Hi there. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. I want to begin with a basic question about film and your media and, and, and that industry. David, how do you see that we can really catch the fire of God's love and, and, and share our faith through film and media? Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I think film is perhaps one of the most viable ways of doing what you just said. Um, in my eyes, film is a combination of many arts. Um, it's visual. It's performance-based. There's often a musical element to it. You're dealing with color theory. Um, so in a way, film is sort of a hybrid of all of the other arts. Um, and everything that you could apply to the visual arts, um, you could apply to a film. I do think that films have an advantage to um, to more traditional art. Um, and that is, in our culture today, um, at, at least in America, there, there seems to not really be much of an interest in the visual arts, and, and that's tragic, but people are not going to galleries. The general public is not going to art galleries to look at um, paintings, which is a shame, but but what are they doing? They are going uh, to theaters. They are sitting down, and they are getting captivated by stories, and um, Jesus himself, of course, was a storyteller. Um, he told his parables, and, and often they were mysterious, and they often ended with a question, and and I think films can do that in the exact same way. So what you're seeing is a movement away from what might be considered the the still arts, right? Um, they're visual, but we're moving away from that. Everything, and and this kind of brings me to this: it, everything needs to be stimulating and engaging and um, entertaining. And um, I mean, I'm I'm uh, guilty as charged. I'm one of those people. I I like to be entertained. I like. Action. I, I like to watch movement. I like a good story, love a good story. So t- 
tell us a little sure. bit about what you do at Stella Morris Films to combine all those elements and to tell a good story. Oh, sure. Well, I'm, at, at Stella Morris, I'm a producer, a writer, and a director as well. And um, I'm often, it usually starts with a story for me. I, I look for an idea, some way that I can communicate um, something really wonderful. Um, Stella Morris itself, you know, it's, it's named in part after Our Lady. It's, it means Star of the Sea. Um, and the idea is that we, we understand, hey, film can be sort of this guiding light. Um, it can convey deep, deep meaning, uh, especially beautiful films. Um, so with, with Stella Morris, my goal, my aim, and every project that I take on is to somehow communicate the, the transcendentals of the church, which would be beauty, goodness, and truth. And, um, and so that's, that's what I'm always looking to do. Um, most recently, we have just completed a film that's called Hand of the Master, The Art and Life of Dom Gregory DeWitt. And this is a film that is about a visual artist. Uh, he is a painter, and uh, indeed his artwork has a way of just thinking into the soul. Anybody who's gone to um, St. Joseph's Abbey, um, you know, in North Covington, they they know what I'm talking about. His artwork can just, you know, sweep you up and, and put you in a really beautiful meditative place. Oh, David, it's really breathtaking. Um, his, his work in the Abbey is just gorgeous. Um, yes. I'm struck by the fact that you have this particular gift, right? This creativity. You like to write, direct, produce, and you're just living, living your faith by using the gifts God gave you. Isn't that pretty incredible? I think sometimes people think, oh, to be, you know, to be really living my faith, I have to do this or that or, and kind of put themselves in a box. We're not called mm. to be like, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And I love that's what you're doing. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that affirmation. Um, yeah, well, you know, we don't all have to uh, go to seminary. Um, indeed, right. that's, it's, it's just not going to work like that. Um, the new evangelization is mostly in the hands of lay people. So if you are um, serious about your faith, you're, you have a vocation. You have a vocational call to share your faith somehow. And that's going to look a little bit different for every different person. Um, but, but I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm very, very blessed, um, to be able to do what I do. And, uh, of course my wife is, is also an artist and she's so supportive of, uh, my projects and, and I of hers. And, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, David, we have a special affection for that whole living it out, um, according to your gifts and what you're called to do. I mean, Lisa and I, our lives, I mean, I'm in business. My husband's in business. He lives, sleeps, eats, sure. and breathes. At Lisa's husband's a, an amazing dentist. I mean, he's <laughs> helping people. I mean, but seriously, he's attending to the physical needs of the body with his oh work. Gosh, yeah. And of course, Lisa, you know, has been an attorney and of course, her constant work within the church, but it's all different. And the people who listen to this show are all different. And so I believe, just to kind of piggyback on what Lisa said, that it's important for them to hear people like you, David, because oh, sure. you really are answering the call to the new evangelization. You are living out the faith yeah. through what basically it's your gifts, but it's what you enjoy doing, right? I mean, do you actually enjoy doing what you're doing? 
Oh my goodness. I, I love it. And, and to piggyback on what you were saying, um, you know, uh, filmmaking is not the only thing I do. You know, I'm, I'm also a middle school teacher. Um, <laughs> and, and so I think sometimes it catches people off guard, uh, because they expect you to be in just one lane. You know, um, they think, oh, well, if, if you're doing this, you can't also be doing that. If you're, for, in my instance, if you're teaching school, wait, you also make movies? What? How does that work? Um, but it, there, there's room for it. If, if God has put that desire on your heart and um, if God is uh, opening up doors, there's, there's probably a way that you can do something. So, <laughs> David, <laughs> what are some of the other projects you've worked on? If somebody wants to check out some of your work, where would they find it? Oh, sure. Um, well, the best place to go right now is stellamarisfilms.com. And um, make sure you, you put the S at the end. So stellamarisfilms, plural, dot com. Uh, and uh, that website will give you information about past projects, current projects, and um, some things that we have in development right now. Um, so the last film we put out was a short film called Slow Dance With Me. And that's now streaming on Amazon um, and then uh, we, we've also, of course, we've got our Don Gregory DeWitt project, and um, that's soon going to be available on DVD um, in the Abbey Gift Shop. So uh, be on the lookout for that, and it'll also be available for purchase from our website. And um, we've got some other projects that have been in development, such as um, a documentary on Henriette DeLille, just another incredible woman living out their faith and also a school teacher. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, David, we talked briefly. Uh, well, actually, I can't remember if it was phone or if it was um, through email, <laughs> you and I, in the uh, prior to this. But the idea that, and I'm going to kind of pivot a little bit here, that, sure. uh, okay, so you're a Christian first, Catholic, right? We, of course, believe the two are mm-hmm. Go together. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one and the same, right? Um, but you know, there tends to be, as you well know, there's the Christian movie industry, the Christian yeah. music industry. And mm. you, of course, I remember the first time we talked a couple of years ago, you were saying we want to make good quality films that represent oh, okay. the beauty of life, but not to be right. pigeonholed as a Christian film company. And I personally love that because I think that we're all about um, the bigness of life and the variety and the creativity of God. Address that a little bit about your desire to be seen as not just being called a Christian film company. Right. Well, I think I think that there's sort of this mistake when any Christians of any denomination try to create their own subculture um, and say, like, we've got our own genre of music. We've got our own genre of movies. A Christian movie, what does that really mean? Um, I mean, movies themselves don't get saved. Um, <laughs> movies are a work of art, right? And um, Christians should be making the best art, right? We have Amen. good news to share. And, um, you know, we should be making art that um, stands up not to a lower standard, but, you know, to the same standards as, as the rest of any industry. A good film, we, we shouldn't say, oh, it's a good Christian film, but it's just an okay movie when you compare it to what's in theaters. No, 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 no. We don't need to have two separate yardsticks to measure the quality of something. Um, you know, a good film is going to be a good film. We also have to recognize that um, in good art, there's, there's always a seed of the gospel. 
and a film does not have to um, blatantly, um, you know, have like an altar call in the film <laughs> in order to communicate truth, right? Um, if, if, if a story is about redemption, if a story is about forgiveness, um, that is a film that's conveying a Christian message. And I think the other thing that happens as far as pigeonholing Christian movies and, and short, or certain ideas of what those should be, we often think that, oh, if it's a Christian movie, it's going to have to be squeaky clean, and mm-hmm. it's going to pull punches, and when we display evil, it's sort of this, like, um, very, very soft version of evil. And um, I think that's a mistake as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for my biggest argument on that, I, I turn to the Bible. And if the Bible were faithfully turned into a movie, and I mean faithfully turned into a movie, think about all of the sex, think about all of the violence, that movie would be a hard R. You know, it would be, um, it would be, it would be certainly rated R, uh, uh, as was the Passion of the Christ, right? Um, so, so we have to keep in mind that context is king in these sorts of things. Where uh, we're always looking at the context. Um, so not, ooh, does this film show violence? Not, does this film have some nudity in it? But rather, what is the context of that nudity? What is the context of the violence? What is the filmmaker trying to say? What is the message about this piece of art? And, um, and this is where I do feel like audiences um, need to step up to the plate a little bit more. I think audiences need to be a little bit more discerning about the messages that are being put out in movies. And they need to ask themselves, hey, is this really true? Is this really, um, does this this idea that's being communicated in a film um, jive with the rest of reality? Um, Or maybe am I being subjected to um, some propaganda here? That's, That's something audiences always have to ask themselves. I mean, I love everything you're saying. And I think, um, you know, I know you're, you're a dad, depending on the age of your children, you know, where I am now, my youngest is 13, but I am not really closed off to what he can see, but I have certain boundaries. And would you say that really, when you're looking at evil for the sake of exploiting evil is one thing, Mm -hmm. but if evil, I think what you're saying is if evil is portrayed, but then there's that hope, there's that redemption that's, as you said, the seed of the gospel, well, then it's, it might be worth taking a look at that movie, but then having that conversation to make sure your kids are getting that hope there. Absolutely. Well, I mean, all of this needs to be, um, sort of couched with the idea that, that parents need to be raising their kids, having those important conversations about what they're watching. And um, and yes, the thing about darkness, if you're genuinely showing darkness for what it is, what does it do? It points you to the light. It, um, it definitely wants to... I, I mean, the, when you see evil for what it really is, um, nobody wants it. Nobody really wants evil when it's truly exposed. Um, what people want is sort of um, the, the deception of evil that appears to be good on the surface. Um, and I mean, that goes right back to the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? <laughs> but, well, um, it sure does. <laughs> David, we're running up close on the end of this. We could talk forever, yeah. but um, tell us again the website and the name of the movie that's coming out. The film is Hand of the Master, The Art and Life of Don Gregory DeWitt. And the website is com. If I could just add a couple of uh, comments. Don Gregory DeWitt, um, who's the 
you know, the main character that my film is about, he said that words tend to go over the heads of the people and that art is the right way of doing the things which have to be done. And I think in his mind, he, he intuned that art has this profound ability to, to touch someone's soul, often in a way that words and theology won't. So Bishop Robert Barron often talks about leading with beauty. Let beauty be the first transcendental that people find, and they're going to want the goodness and they're going to want the truth. Of course, John Paul II refers to God, the Creator, and when we look at God as an artist, I think that's a tremendous source of inspiration for, for all of us. David Warren of Stella Morris Films. God bless you, and thank you for joining us on Catch the Fire. We're going to be looking for your work. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bye-bye. David. Well, Lisa, again, we could just talk and talk and talk because it opens up so many opportunities for conversation. David's just open to using his gifts, the gifts that God uniquely gave him that are the way he is wired, right? He's, he's living his faith, using his gifts and impacting the world. And I think, I dare say, that's what we're all called to do. Well, we are. And, and, and it just gives us another idea, right? Um, it, we, like you had said something about boxing people in and we aren't meant to be boxed in. God is infinitely creative. And if we're lending ourselves over to him and opening ourselves to him, then he's going to use the very gifts and talents that he endowed us with. And that's what David is doing. And I hope it encourages other people to do the same. Doesn't have to be film. It can be anything. Yes. You know, but Susie, we often talk about what does it mean to be Catholic and we worship with our senses. Well, really, our eyes, we are very visual. And that's the way God God created us that way. And um, when something is before us and it also sparks our heart, that's just... That's just beautiful. Well, it's just beautiful. It's the connection and the Holy Spirit. We're catching the fire, right? Of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes that connection for us. He absolutely does. All right. Well, what ways did you get sparked this week? I did something for the first time that everybody else does that I've never done. And I shared a recipe on Facebook. Yes, I did. I've never done that before. And I got to tell you, I think people like to talk about food. Uh, In Louisiana? I think so. I mean, to tell you, I had comments galore over this little recipe of putting like this taco salad inside of an avocado. And it looked awesome. Oh, wait, I saw that. Did you see that? That looked really good. (laughs) See? And I thought, okay, I've never done this before, but I really want this recipe. So, okay, I'll do it. I'll share it. And I must, I don't know. 10, 15 people coming out of the woodwork, loving this recipe. So people, I just want to tell you, don't, don't diss the people that share recipes on Facebook because it could be a lot of fun. <laughs> this is really funny because guess what? Mine's about food too. We talk about uh, all the senses. Well, guess what? Here's mine. I um, am crazy about this frozen pizza. It's a cauliflower crust. I've seen that one. Yes. Tell me, talk about it. Talk about it. And it's called Kali Power. Have you seen it's at I mean I, I buy it at the grocery in the frozen food section. There's a there are different flavor, different types. But the one that my husband and I have fallen in love with is the margarita pizza. And it's thin crust and it's made from cauliflower, but you can't tell. It is delicious. It is light. It is healthy. And I have a couple of friends who are um gluten-free. And like if we're having an impromptu something, I'm it's it's an easy thing for us to serve with a salad. So 
Sounds silly, but yes, I am. I'm kind of really enjoying this cauliflower crust pizza. No, it's really nice when you can find things already made that are actually, you know, fit in with how you want to eat, right? You know, Susie, so I'm thinking we're going to wrap this. We're going to bring this show all the way around. I think we should have a movie night and look at um, some of Stella Morris's work. And, we and eat cauliflower this. pizza. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Did your kids love the, and your husband, did they like the taco avocado creation? Oh, well, they do. But of course, it could just be Molly and I because, you know, we have told oh, yeah, you, Scott and Ian diet. are training for a competition. So their diet is like crazy right now. But yes, we love avocados and we love all things like taco flavored. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right, Susie, it's so much fun being in the fire and sharing the fire. Join us next week on Catch the Fire. Catch the Fire is a production of Catholic Community Radio.